My Year of Bad Sex, written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Part 34. So, we come to Boy. First things first, his name was Boyko, but the abbreviation was quite apposite. He could have truncated himself to Boyk, but that would have sounded like a brummy describing his bicycle. Boy had liked me on Tinder, and boy did I like him. There was something arresting about the angle of his jaw that totally captivated me. A hint of young Brad Pitt around the time of Thelma and Louise. Blonde and open and effortlessly charming, a real heartbreaker. Mine didn't so much break as melt into a gooey mess when I gazed at images of this gorgeous boy. Our chat was a little restrained as well, not the typical rush to graphic sleaze. We weren't coy or timid, but there was a certain reserve, a modesty about how much we asked of each other or revealed of ourselves. I may have been guilty of failing to pick up on this aspect. I thought he was more accustomed to this world of gay dating and gay cruising than he was. I hoped for a meeting and had offered an invitation to the naked swimming group, but eventually got the message that Boy was quite inexperienced. It was when he said, I'm quite inexperienced. I'm quick like that. The realisation of his innocence touched my already softened heart. Boy and I chatted on and off for quite a few weeks, then months. He was a student at a London university and living in East London, originally from Eastern Europe, hence Boyko. One of the photos he sent was of him, from behind, at a beach, posing on a rock with arms dramatically raised, a finger pointing as if claiming victory or making a stirring speech. I looked at that so many times, zooming in to examine the muscles of his tapered back, shapely arms and bulging deltoids, strong thighs and calves, his thick hair swept back, the angle of the head giving the hint of a happy smile at these holiday larks. Even his neck I wanted to touch, to kiss. Also the cute fabric of those shorts, slices of orange on a turquoise background, stretching tight over the unseen buttocks. The buttocks were far from unseen in another shot. I'm busy revising, was the caption that went with an image of Boy naked on his bed, his bum in the air, taken by holding his phone above his head to capture the rolling landscape of his back, butt and legs. I took that as blatantly comic, in other words, revising, lol. Only later did I discover that this was exactly the way Boy liked to study, naked on the mattress, his laptop on the floor. But there were no dick pics at least not from him to me, and I was restrained in what I sent to him. Our conversation was friendly and flirty, but halting and hesitant. It petered out each time and didn't ever conclude with agreement for the meeting I craved. So I was amazed when I finally got the green light, an invitation from my boy. I'd been due to get together with young Yan, an accountant who worked near me. They'd come for a forehand massage almost a year previously when Angelo and I began to branch out. Nice face and personality, good body, small dick. He liked the size of mine and Angelo's, but I felt jealous of the amount of time and energy they spent kissing each other, joking that I was jealous and then saying that no, I wasn't joking, I was jealous. We'd attempted to set up another three-way meeting a few times, but on each occasion something hadn't aligned and it had fallen through. This time Jan was no longer trying to create the triangle, and had accepted that Angelo was out of town, so it would be just the two of us for a massage and more. He must have weighed things up. 
only one big dick instead of two, and no snogging with the young Italian. But a really classy massage from the old guy, and he's just around the corner from work. I could almost hear his indecision from the tone of his texts. Finally, we agreed to bite the bollock, and six o'clock was agreed. At four o'clock, Jan said he'd be later leaving work. Okay, six thirty. Then Jan wondered if another day would be better. No, not for me. That was my only free evening for a week. Perhaps he could slip out and see me, he suggested, and then return to work. That's up to you, I said. Let me know. Then Jan said it was raining, and it might be better to cancel. I pointed out that his workplace was no more than a hundred yards from my home, maybe less. Jan decided the best thing was to call it off. Best for him, anyway. Okay, some other time. Pause. Then I got the message. On the other hand, I'm horny as hell. And so he got the message. Oh, for fuck's sake, Jan! I rarely use two exclamation marks. It's so down market. But on this occasion, I decided to pousser le bateau. Make your mind up, Jan. A single old British dick now, or the potential of double Euro dicks another time. A cock in the hand, or two in some nebulous bush of non-specific chronology. There were no more messages from Jan. I would have an evening to myself. Ironing, gym, porn, all of the above. Ping! Hi. Are you at home? It was boy. Sexy, sweet, cute, pretty, handsome, confusing, innocent, tantalising, naked, revising boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I said I was. Was he? He was. I'd engaged in these aimless discussions that wandered pleasantly around subjects such as psychology and education or fitness and health before. They were enjoyable up to a point, but not up to the point. What are you thinking? I asked him in my version of seizing a Taurus by the cornum. He asked if I'd like to go over. Ooh, let me think about that for a nanosecond. I tried to shower and shave faster than a dervish while maintaining my cool air of detached nonchalance. I failed, and was dashing out of the door and running to the tube minutes later. Boy was in Hackney. I had no idea how to get there by public transport, but I'd work it out. It was 5pm and rush hour was beginning. What time Jan was leaving work was of no consequence to me now. Whether it was raining or not was immaterial. I was going to meet Boy at last. I'd doubted it would ever happen. Me and him. Man and boy. He told me he had swimming at eight. Yes, those strong latissimus dorsi were the result of his inclusion in the uni swimming team. He had a training session later, and his favourite stroke was, wait for it, butterfly. Come on, who can A. actually do that flopping, dying creature thing, and B. prefers it to the elegant logical breast back or freestyle? but the boy liked Butterfly. He was becoming more amazing by the minute, and the evening had so many more amazing minutes in store. Look, one is not a snob, as one knows. It's true I get teased by friends that travelling out of Zone 1 brings me out in a cold sweat. I think I'll need jabs and a visa. Not true. I can go to Hampstead or Richmond without a qualm, and even south of the river is just about doable, but a postcode that starts with an E is a bit of a boldly-go thing for me. 
footpath, I negotiated rush-hour tubes and an overground train, and then a power walk in the drizzle, ah, so it is raining, to reach Boy's place at 6.25. It was a large Victorian house in a smart, quiet street, and there was only one bell, not divided into flats. As I rang, I wondered how far away his pool was, what time he'd have to leave. It didn't matter. If it was only five minutes with him, it would be the best five minutes of, hi, he was there, bathed in light and beaming his own bright smile. So nice, finally, to meet you. Hi, yes, uh, you you too. It's raining, isn't it, in, in Hackney? I mean, here as well, of course. It wasn't raining on the tube. Well, you know what I mean, but I've never actually been here before. I mean, Hackney, not here, at your, um, what's, what's, the, what's the word, house? Um, yes, I said nonchalantly. We hugged briefly and went inside to his room, which seemed to be a bedsit on the ground floor. There was a double bed, a sofa facing it, tables and other furniture, and lots of shelves heaving with books and other paraphernalia. He explained that the house belonged to his uncle, was it, or aunt? I smiled as he spoke, but was finding it hard to concentrate. Hard to breathe. Would I like something to drink? I gulped and nodded, and we went to the kitchen. Juice for me, bloody dry January, and water for boy. Back in his room I sat on the sofa, and he lay on his bed. We talked. Oh, boy, did we talk. About his childhood abroad, and then the move to Scotland when he was five after his parents' divorce. About his mother's remarriage, his stepfather, his half-brother, his degree in politics and economics, the essay currently underway to do with sporting success and national identity, and God everything that was safe and neutral and interesting. All the background stuff, the tell-me-about-yourself material. It wasn't one way we talked about both of us, particularly when there were comparisons and contrasts to be made in our experiences, or if there was an overlap. "'My parents have a house in France,' he said. "'It's quite remote. You won't have heard of it.' He told me where it was. "'My sister and I have a place about ten miles away,' I told him. "'We're neighbours. We talked about his travels around the world, and the fact that he likes to include a period of volunteering whenever he visits a new country. New Zealand, the US, Vietnam.' "'You're inspiring me,' I blurted out. I explained that I'd become stuck in making travel plans, crushed by the enormity of possibilities, unable to get from the statement, I want to travel, to the travel. When I left, later, my phrase of praise was, "'You're so refreshing.' I could equally have said, "'Exciting, funny, different, handsome, sexy, interesting, charming, Intriguing, beautiful, delicious, enchanting, adorable, fascinating, alluring, exotic, eye-popping or breathtaking. But I didn't want to gush. Refreshing would do for now. And between our chat and my departure, well, boy lay back on the bed as we talked, and I so wanted to take off my shoes and join him, but I was cautious, wary of unspoken boundaries. After all, none of our lovely chat had been sexual. We were being so respectful, so well-behaved. His words were still in my ears. I'm quite inexperienced. But I was conscious of his limited time, scared to check my watch in case it told me I had to go. But Boy didn't seem anxious. In fact, he lay back and rolled onto his side. I said, You seem to be getting further away from me. Well, he said, patting the duvet, You can join me here. Can I? Oh, God, can I, please, please, can I? I pulled off my shoes and lay next to him, propped up on an elbow, looking down. We smiled and said nothing for a few seconds. I put my hand on his thigh. Is this okay? 
I had to ask, unsure what was what and what wasn't, terrified of the sudden rebuff, the offended withdrawal. But this felt all right for us both. We relaxed into it. I asked him about the saucy photo he'd sent of him revising, and that's when he explained it was true. That really was how he liked to study, undressed on the bed. Actually, he said, would you like to get naked? Hmm, um, I'd like that, I squeaked. I'd been hoping to sound calm and measured, as if accepting a biscuit with my coffee. Good. Me too. Can I, um, can I first... I went up to the bathroom for a pee. I had a hard-on, which made it difficult. I'd also put a cock-ring on. That, I now discovered, had split. I slipped it off. It felt over-familiar anyway. I went back to Boy's room, and there he was, naked. Just let that sink in for a second. This young god was lying there nude, like a lad waiting for Caravaggio to commit his likeness to canvas. One leg was bent and crossed over the other, hiding his crotch. Demure but teasing. I took my shirt, jeans, and socks off, and lay down next to him, naked, on top of the duvet. I put my arms around him, and kissed him on the lips, on his beautiful lips, ever so lightly and delicately. Was this allowed? I laughed. That was possibly the briefest kiss I've ever experienced. Well, he said, with a hint of reproach, you pulled away. I was so, so careful of doing too much that I was doing nowhere near enough. So now we kissed. And how we kissed. Passionately, wholeheartedly. He pulled me on top of him, and then his legs were wrapped around me as if, as if he wanted me to fuck him. Really? We carried on talking and kissing, but when I tried to lower my head towards his waist and below, I felt his resistance. His powerful butterfly thighs were pinning me tight, preventing me from doing anything other than kiss. I looked at him. I'd rather not, he said. Okay, okay, not too much. But may I at least look? I hadn't yet, deliberately, out of politeness and respect. Now I did. Ooh, lovely, big and uncut. I touched it for a second or two, no more. Then I left it, returned my attention to his face, and whispered in his pretty little ear that I would certainly be hoping to do that again. Boy told me that he used to think he was asexual, that he'd been intimate twice. With the same person, or two different people? Two people, once with each. And these people, I asked with trepidation, both men, both women, or was he about to declare that he was bi-curious, married with kids, was an electrician from Croydon, and here was the list of things he wouldn't let me... Men, said Boy, two men. Ah, I'm beginning to think I may not be asexual after all. Oh, really? I frowned and nodded in a concerned, avuncular way, rather like a psychotherapist. I managed not to punch the air and shout, Yes! I wanted to ask what he felt there, then, naked in my arms on his bed. But I was worried he'd say, To be honest, not much. That it was interesting, or all right, or something equally deflating. 
but honestly his fine dick was hard against my stomach. He was kissing me again and again with passion, mouths devouring, tongues entwining. He liked my cock rubbing into his butt-crack. As well as all of this, we did something else. We looked, we gazed into each other's eyes for long minutes at a time. Sometimes smiling, mostly not. Intently, with curiosity and meaning, searching for an echo, a response. It was like a partner exercise at yoga, but this was no routine. This was real. I was the one who finally, reluctantly, brought up the dreaded subject. What time was it? What day was it? Which planet were we on? Boy checked. It was eight o'clock. The time he was meant to be at the pool. I sat up, alarmed, expecting him to do the same. It's all right. The first half an hour is just fitness exercises anyway. And you don't need those, I thought. But I should go, let you get on with your evening. We were formal again, but friendly still. I dressed, awkwardly. What had just happened? Was it okay? We hugged at the door again. I told him, you're so refreshing. And I left, walking towards the massive rainbow that was lighting up the sky over Hackney. Did other people see it? Or just me? And was I really walking? I swear my feet were floating a few inches above the pavement. What an extraordinary young man! What tenderness and intimacy! What humanity and maturity! What beauty! Buy a hat for the wedding! Take the hat back to the shop. Boy replied to my message the following day. I wrote to say I'd had a lovely time. Great, finally to meet you, he replied. Hope it was okay. Okay? Oh, friggin' K? No, it wasn't okay. It was sublime, delightful, and delicious, as he was too. I messaged at too much length about how much I'd enjoyed our meeting, and I hoped he wasn't in trouble for missing part of the swimming practice, and to let me know when or if he'd like to meet again. Silence. Four days after our naked cuddles, I sent a kissy face emoji and the two words, Good weekend? I could see he was online and that my messages had been delivered and read. But nothing came back. I'd rather have a clear no than the yawning limbo which morphs inevitably into a realization of rejection. When would be the right time to follow up? Never. Two messages without reply meant only one thing. Bye-bye, boy. My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a Protocol production.